um, maybe you can just bring it down a little bit, Ben. Um, the Lord is really making a way. Uh, you know, when we first become saved and we first are introduced to the Lord and we first experience Him, at that moment there's a promise in our lives that He's going to complete the work that was started. And at that moment of time, there's, a, there's, a, there's something that happens in His heart, in our hearts, in heaven, on earth, that really sets us on a journey and in motion to accomplish some amazing things. And I remember when I was a kid, um, maybe my earliest memory, I was born and raised on a farm. Uh, We had lots of cattle and lots of uh, horses and chickens and turkeys and pigs and just all the stuff. So one of the problems with on a farm is all those mouths need to be fed, right? And so the summer was all about haying and uh, planting and harvesting corn and, you know, just the things that you do on a farm. And, um, yeah, look at that. The lights are on. It's, uh, I feel like I'm in spotlight now. And, uh, you know, so when you're on a farm, you spend the hours of the day working in preparation for the winters and to carry the animals over and milking the cows and cleaning the muck and, you know, sawdust and just taking care of the farm. Well, one of the, my earliest memories is, um, you know, maybe I was four or five years old, and I think maybe all kids go through a stage of, let me do that, I want to do that. You know, I see my dad doing things, and I see other adults doing things, and it looks really cool, and all of a sudden, can I do that? You know, some of the tractors on these farms today are just 100 horsepower, 150 horsepower tractors, and they need to be that big to pull the equipment to tend the fields and pull the wagons and so on. And haying was always an interesting time because it was one of the few times where um, the adults wanted to be on the ground throwing the hay onto the wagons and stacking the wagons up. And if you were little, you know, you, your muscles weren't strong enough to lift the bales and, and throw them you know, seven layers high to get them all onto the wagon. And and so you got the jobs, you got stuck with the jobs that, uh, you know, little kids could do, five, six, seven-year-old kids, which was either bunching the bales up in the field, putting them all in bunches so when the tractor came along, uh, you know, it didn't have to stop too many times. And the other really cool job was that I always wanted to do and so didn't my brothers, so we, I, you know, we had to share, was drive the tractor. My dad would put the tractor uh, with the wagon behind it, and you'd go in the absolute slowest gear possible, uh, and the RPMs on the engine was slowest possible, and it would just crawl along. And as it was crawling along, the adults would throw the hay bales onto the wagon, and somebody would stack it. Well, that was kind of cool, but for a six- or seven-year-old, the speed of this tractor soon got kind of boring. And so you waited for the time the tractor, the wagon was full, and you'd go back to the barn, and the hay conveyor would uh, put it up into the, and you'd pile the hay in the hayloft. And that was a much better experience, because you got to get in maybe second or third gear out of about a dozen gears, and go much faster. And when I was young, I remember saying to my dad, I can, can I be the one to drive the tractor back to the field? Or can I be the one to drive the tractor back to the hayloft? Or can I, you know, because that was, that was where you got a little more momentum. 
And I remember, perhaps you have the same memory, maybe on a lawnmower or maybe on a bike or something, when you were first learning. And my attitude was, let me do that, let me do that. Dad and the other adults make it look so easy. And so I would sit in my dad's lap and I would be holding this gigantic uh, steering wheel that seemed to me like it took all of my, you know, my arms to to grip this steering wheel. And it wasn't power steering back then, so as long as you were moving, it was fairly easy to turn. But the problem is, I didn't know how to drive the tractor. I would overcompensate. And so the track, the road is here, and the tractor's going this way, and so I'd turn the wheel all the way around to, until the wheels stopped and the wheels are going... And, you know, pretty soon you're down in the ditch off the... And my dad would just, like, well, you, you, you'll figure it out. Turn, turn, turn it the other way. So I'd turn it the other way. And, you know, you just didn't have the understanding of how to run the steering to keep the tractor and the wagons and the other wagon behind the first wagon kind of in the path of the field of the roadway. And I can remember even being on the road, and I thought, well, that was fun, but it was so frustrating, you know, because I was trying so hard to impress my dad and the other adults around five, six, seven years old, and I wanted to do everything they were doing. Uh, You know, what they were doing was much cooler than what I was doing. And so, can I do that? Can I do that? Can I do that? Let me do that. Can I do that? And that was just part of my growing up of, let me do that. And, you know, being on a farm, there's lots of opportunity to run heavy equipment and bulldozers and loaders and things like that, and that's where I wanted to be. And that, in fact, is where, you know, part of the, you know, I never thought ahead very much. Uh, I just kind of all did it and thought I would do it, and that's where I really lost my right leg. I uh, jumped onto the back of a power takeoff and um, could have killed me, but uh, God had other plans. But the point is, uh, we want to do things, and perhaps you can remember the first time you were on maybe a riding lawnmower or when your dad or your mom set you in their lap and driving the car up and down the driveway and you're overcompensating and you're going this way and that way and you're trying to figure it out. You're trying to understand, you know, how does this work? They make it look so easy. And it turned out to be frustrating. And it turned out that you needed practice. And it turned out that you needed some understanding, that you needed a strategy, that you needed somebody to explain to you how, how this works. Because if you were left to figure it out on your own, it would take a long time. Well, you know, when we become Christians, it's like that in the kingdom of God. there's this thing here. So I put this little graph together. On the back wall, there's a PowerPoint uh, for those that are listening on the message online. Uh, At the top, there's God. At the bottom, there's man. And there's several different um, ladders or colors uh, going up through. And so uh, man being on the earth, let me do it. I want to do it. And I think when we're young, that's a very natural thing to do. I can remember splitting wood out in the, in the woods with my kids and putting the tractor in front of a wagon and going out. And every time the wagon was full, we had to go up and dump it on the lawn and 
put it in the basement. And my kids were the same way. Can I do it? Can I do it? Dad, let me do it. And so I would sit in the seat of this tractor and I would put my kids in my lap and they would do the exact same thing I did. They would be going far to the right and far to the left. And so I would say, okay, uh, let me get you back kind of in the road and this is how you do it. And I don't think they figured it out for a year or two. Uh, that's the way it was, and they had such a good time. And now I know what my father felt like when I was doing it. A little bit of frustration, a little bit of, oh, I didn't realize you didn't know how to do this. A little bit of, of uh, can't you just keep it in the middle of the road, you know, kind of thing. Um, or do you see that tree up ahead on that corner? Try and miss the tree and and... Every single time, I would have had to take over because we were going to hit the tree. And, you know, it could be the only tree in the entire field, but we would have hit it. And so I understand that. But when we become new Christians, when we become young, uh, you know, young, when we're young children, we have the attitude, let me do it. I want to do it. And I think that uh, later on, that gets adjusted. Sometimes we find out early, uh, maybe I need help. Now, when you're seven and eight years old, you do not need help, right? It's, I can do this. I, I can do it. I can figure it out. But when you become uh, you know, older in life and you begin to mature and you begin to understand how life works and how training works, and I'm so grateful and thankful for this place because it's a training center. And Lonnie and Kathy, when they came here from California, you know, 40-something years ago, they had it in their heart to develop a training center that would be unlike other things in the area. And so we, bring, we have opportunity for you to come to the pulpit, for you to dance and sing and discover who you are in Christ. Discover what your talents are. Discover, and the things that you want to do that you're really not good at, right? You're swinging way to the right on that tractor and there's a tree over there. There are other people around to come alongside and teach and understand, and I'm so grateful for 20, 25 years that I've had um, a man and a woman in my life to teach me and to come alongside, to give me hard messages, to give me correction, to give me encouragement. And, and when I knew better, to come alongside and just be quiet, to come alongside and be that quiet strength, to be that person who... Uh, you know, just continues to encourage. And yes, we get frustrated as, as people, but we don't allow that to separate us. We don't allow that to say, Aaron, you know, I've, showed, I've shown you for 10 solid minutes how to drive this tractor in this wagon. You're not getting it. Get off. I don't have time for this. If I did that, right, if Kathy and Lonnie did that and didn't continue to encourage, hey, you're more than you have become. You're more than what you presently are. And we're petitioning heaven that you experience the fullness of what's written about you. That's, their really, that's really their heart. That's where they're coming from. That's where they are today even, resting and seeking the Lord. But I know very well that Lonnie's probably watching that security camera, seeing what's going on here, overshadowing the meeting 
And oftentimes he will text me in the middle of our services saying, the person with the yellow jacket on the right side about halfway back, make sure you pray for them before they leave. Because he's watching. Because Kathy's sensitive. Because Lonnie's sensitive. Because they're aware. Because they're in tune with things. Because they have a vision. Because they have a hope. And so that's what this is. This is a journey that God promises He's going to fulfill and take us on as long as we're willing, as long as we're submitting ourselves to that work. And so as young adults, we say, I can do it. I, I can do it. I, I know how to do it. And then we become you know, a little bit more uh, older in life and we discover maybe this would go a lot faster if I had some help. Maybe this would go a lot smoother if I had some guidance if I had somebody to tell me what I'm doing wrong or tell me what I am doing that this isn't coming out the way that I thought it was going to come out. And we discover that there is a place in the middle of heaven and earth where we enter a, spirit, a place of the Spirit. And now all of a sudden we're experiencing God interacting in our lives to fill the gaps of the things that we know we need to do, the places we know we need to go, but we're driving that piece of equipment and we're to the right and we're to the left and we really are having a difficult time staying in this narrow path, right? Jesus said the narrow gate's hard to find. It comes with challenges, but the way to destruction is broad. That tree in the middle of the field, 200 yards down the bank, is the only tree there, and if I do nothing, I'm going to hit it. I don't know how that works. It's almost like you're going to drive towards the thing you don't want to hit or focus on. And I've watched it happen in my life, and I've watched it happen in my kid's life, and that's where prayer comes in, and that's where the divine hand of God and His Spirit comes in to overshadow and to help us along the way. So pretty soon we discover, being young Christians, there needs to be a partnership, a relationship. There needs to be something more than just the love and knowing that I'm saved. Something more than just, yeah, I can do this. He said, you're not saved by works. No person on the face of the earth can save themselves that they need the interaction of heaven. And so we begin to discover there is a journey that we begin to go on and we all want to go upward. We all want to experience those things in the Spirit that are divine, that are special, that are extraordinary, that when Jesus said, greater works than these will you do, that are impressive, that are encouraging, that come to want us to experience more of that. And at first, there's a list on the right-hand side that, that uh, really are things that uh, cause us to experience upward momentum. Right? There are things like faith and action and hope and love and trust and patience and prayer and sacrifice and meekness and obedience and humility. And there are a ton more stuff that when we practice those things that God said are characteristics of who I am, we discover that it's easier to go up into these other areas, into spiritual places like this one shows. Let's do it together. 
But when we experience the right-hand side, we can go from wonderful experiences of God, and in one day, we can find ourselves back on the bottom of saying, I can do this. I don't need your help. I don't, I'm, I'm mad. I'm angry. Get out of my face. I'll get this done. You know, I'll do it. Uh, it's my responsibility. And it comes with unbelief and lying and maybe just indifference. I don't care. I don't care anymore. I'm going to step out of my responsibilities and I'm just going to, you know, let, and we're indifference about it or anger or selfishness or fear or passivity. And so these things don't work in ways of once you have love, you, you always have love and you're always headed. You can go up and down. We can fall down. And that's where the body of Christ is so important that I'm starting to see for the last couple of years. People care about each other. They care about individuals. And when we fall down, there's a word of encouragement that comes. Like riding the bicycle, when you first tried to, maybe you had training wheels, but even the training wheels, you can tip those things over, right? I mean, I'm running, I'm going down the hill. Uh, my mom put me on the grassy part of the lawn. She starts me going down. All I had to do was stay on the bike. That's all I had to do, right? And then pretty soon I discovered there's a steering bar, and, and now all of a sudden, rather than end up over here by the car, I can be over here by the pond, Right? And now I can steer. And then pretty soon I discovered, wow, this is pretty cool. And this steering mechanism in front really, and I get so aggressive and, and I fall over. And here comes mom running down the hill. Are you okay? Are you okay? And picks me back up, squeezes me, hugs me, and puts me back on the bike and we try it again. And then there's a day when the training wheels come off, right? And the knee scrapes and the elbow scrapes are more significant. Maybe there's a little blood involved. And, but we learn to do it, right? We learn to ride a bike. We learn to drive the, the lawnmower. We learn, to drive, we learn to do the things because there was somebody there to help us. There was somebody there to encourage us along the way. So as we go, it says, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain of those who build it. Let me do it. I want to do it. And if you, the problem with staying there is the Lord isn't invited yet to build the house. And according to the word, the house that I'm speaking about here is the temple not made with hands that Lonnie has been so passionate about over the last several months. You were formed in your mother's womb. I knew you before you were born. And that temple that was not made with hands. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who, those, they labor in vain who build it. In other words, if we maintain the attitude, I don't need your help, I don't need to be spiritual, I don't need to pray, I don't need to see my shortcomings, I don't need to see my, my sin, I don't, I don't need that. I can get through this life myself. Then the laborer labors in vain. And it's a religious principle, it's a religious uh, understanding that so many people, unfortunately, believe that they can get to heaven just because they're good people, just because they've done nice things, just because they minister to the poor, just because they give away lots of money. Jesus said, none of that qualifies you. 
So unless the Lord builds the house, the labor is labor in vain. And then we see, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. So now we're, of the, we're, we're beginning to see, we're, we're beginning to experience the Lord. He begins to build the house. He's coming to encourage us. We've experienced salvation. We're coming in and fellowshipping with people. And now we see trust in the Lord with all your heart. I've found seasons and places and time where it's really difficult to believe that somehow this thing that I'm in the middle of is going to turn out for good. It's so difficult. And I, out of all the things that I could imagine, I can't imagine this ever turning out anywhere near a reasonable place. And so trusting in the Lord becomes a gigantic challenge that there is the warfare. Trust in the Lord. Yeah, but do you see the giants? Trust in the Lord. Yeah, but do you see the challenges? Trust in the Lord. Yeah, but do you see what's about me? Do you see the things that are challenging me? That they're insurmountable and I can't seem to get over them whether it's anger or frustration or resentment or bitterness, any of the things that come to challenge us, trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him. And we find out that there's something operating in our life that's different than it used to be when we were saying, just let me do this. Just let me do it. I can do it. And so we move on, and it says, so faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And now all of a sudden we're, we're saying, well, faith? What is faith all about? I, I have faith. I have faith to believe that, you know, I can not hit that tree in the middle of the field. I have faith to believe that I can get this 150-horsepower tractor that weighs over 10,000 pounds with a load of, well, I can get it up there. But without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. It's impossible to experience the spiritual places of heaven and God Himself without faith. And we, there are seasons in our life where the mirror is held up against us and we say I really don't have as much faith as I thought I did and this is a struggle in every imaginable impossible way and it's more than I can bear but God's word says without faith it's impossible to please him the antonym of that is faith really sets his heart on fire faith really encourages and motivates heaven to interact in the lives of the people that are operating in those spiritual places. That when he sees us on the tractor and we've got the wheels turned all the way to the right and they only needed to be five degrees, he believes that he comes and interacts with us and teaches us how to move forward and how to move on. Jesus said, To him, all things are possible to him who believes. 
So then we experience we're maturing as Christians, we're maturing as, as young adults, we're maturing wherever we are in our life in the growth of God, in the growth of the Spirit, in becoming spiritual Christians and adults. We start to see things like Jesus said, all things are possible. All things wait a minute, we have a building next door that is going to cost a million dollars. Who in our body has a million bucks? For the most part, we are not a wealthy body by bank accounts. But we're a very wealthy body because of faith in who Christ is in each one of us. And Jesus said, all things are possible. And so the day came, and I was anxious and nervous, and how are we going to do this? And we're going to be the laughing stock, and people are going to find out we couldn't pull this off. And do I mortgage my home? Do I do, what do I do, God? What do I do? I can do this. I can do this. And we go back down to the bottom of the ladder, and we say, it's really me. And then the day comes of the closing and the signing, and we discover that we really don't have the means, we don't have the money, we don't have the capital. All of the things that we've applied for have come back denied. There's no way forward. And there are some things in life where God does the work. God does it. Because He's seeing the faith and the belief of the people, and the work, and the hope, and the desire. He's listening to the prayers. He's responding to the fasting. He's responding to the sacrifice. He's responding. And those are the places where God comes and said, let me do this. Let me do this. Let me do this for you. Let me do this to display who I am in the earth. Let me do this so no man can take the glory that everybody is going to know and experience firsthand that I'm a God who delivers, that I'm a God who loves, that I'm a God who doesn't pull back, that I'm a God who forms in the mother's womb and delivers. His word says, He would not bring to term and not deliver. He's a God who wants to be trusted He's a God who wants to be, have relationship. And so Jesus said, all things are possible, even the things that are so far beyond your own ability to see and experience. Jesus said, with faith, with prayer, with the tools that I've given you, all things are possible, right? So we keep going. This is what I love the most. This is what I've been thinking about for weeks, this scripture. This is where this word started. He is speaking with the disciples, Mark 16, 19 through 20. He's speaking with the disciples. He's making it clear that there is a change in the governments of, on the earth. It's not becoming natural. It's becoming spiritual. It's becoming an impartation of himself. It's, the veil is rent now. Right? They can come to the very throne room of God. They can pray to God. They don't need the, 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 the old uh, methods anymore. It's all brand new. And he says to them, So then, after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven, and he sat down at the right hand of God. 
And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompany of signs and miracles. This is really the heart of the Father. That's, the, that's really, if you take nothing else away today, know that God is in heaven wanting you to succeed. And he knows that you can't succeed on your own by an attitude of just let me do it. He knows that you're going to need him. And he's promising through scriptures similar to this. They're all over everywhere in the Bible. But this is one of my favorite ones. It says the Lord working with them. The Lord working with them. In other words, he's participating in the vision that he's given you to experience. He's participating in the prophecy that he has released in your life. He's participating when the angels are reading the books from the archives of heaven and make it known to you something that you're going to experience. He is right alongside working, the Lord working with them. And it really isn't up to you and I to fulfill the promises in and of our own strength. He wants to be participating with us in our lives. He is hearing the cries and the, 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 the places where you're seeming like you're at a dead-end road. There's no way to continue. There just doesn't seem to be a way forward. And then he comes along and says, because I believe in you, because you're my son, because you're my daughter, because I've heard your prayers, because I've remembered the prophecy that it's over your life, because I have read again the books of the archives of heaven, I'm going to make a way. The Lord working with them, confirming his word through signs and wonders. We've started to experience these things. Great trials in our life that we in and of ourselves cannot change. But through prayer and through fasting, through meekness, through humility, through everything that is on the left-hand side, trust and patience and prayer, sacrifice, meekness, submission, obedience, humility, and a hundred other things, God responds to the prayer. God responds to the cry. And he comes and he said, okay, all things are possible. They believe that. They're rising up in faith. They're stepping out. But they're at a stopping point. They've gone as far as they can go. And I can imagine Jesus beside the Father, as this scripture says, interceding for us. Daddy, release your word. Let us change this. Let's help them get over this into the next place of the next chapter in their life. Daddy, let's, let's send the angels. Daddy, let's empower them by the Spirit. Daddy, let's remove the scales from their eyes. Daddy, let's cause them to hear a prophetic word of a way forward. And a hundred other things that Jesus says, let it be on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? So the Lord working with them and confirming the word through a company of signs and wonders and miracles. And that's the part I love. I'm starting to see... Let's take the food bank. The food bank could be run, let me do it, right? It's within man's ability to feed a few hundred people in the upper valley by coordinating things. 
The greatest thing that I'm seeing in these last months and even a couple of years is there's a group of people coming together who know their God. And they're going as far as they can go and then there's a breakthrough. And we get days and, and weeks of thousands of pounds of food for nothing. How do you, how do you get 4,000 pounds of food and we're not a rich body by banking methods? How do you do that? How do you do that? And the Lord working with them, confirming His Word through signs and wonders and a group of people working together with the passion of His heart, making something happen because God wants it to happen. Where in, on the earth do people give time to restore a building that has had no maintenance for 30 years? Where do people give of their time and their effort and what money they do have and their resources for that? Where does the food bank come along? Where does the outreach come along? Where does the tape booth come along? All the things that are happening in ministry in this place, it could not be accomplished with a position of, let me do it. It's because a, a, a body of people come together who have relationship with God, have relationship with, the, with Jesus Himself, and pray and intercede, and they're experiencing change. Now I know that we're still going through the trials. Me too. But it's seasons of time like this where I think to myself, and the Lord working with them, confirming His Word, accompanying signs. And they were and raised up together and made us sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, created for good works. Do you know that you are in Christ Jesus, and Christ Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father? And for many of you, for most of you, I, and I would even challenge even that and say all of you, because this is a training center, because it was Kathy and Lonnie's heart to create a place like this in the earth, and God sent them to some place called the Upper Valley, a hidden away, know-nothing place. Many of you are called to sit in heavenly places and have authority over vast things over your authority to be known, not because of you're somebody special, though you are, not in and of itself because you've got the talent or you've got the bank account or you've got the wisdom or the knowledge, it really isn't based on that, any of that. It's based on because you're a son and you're a daughter. And, and God, before you were born, wrote a book and he wants to take you from this chapter to that chapter, to that chapter, so you can experience. That's why. Because God wants to be made known through the earth, through you, in you. He wants you to be the one like Paul, going down and walking amongst the sick, and the shadow that fell on them caused them to be healed, or caused them to be encouraged, or caused them to say, I'm not going to go down to the river and kill myself this afternoon. Instead, I'm going to stick it out a few more days because I talked to this person named Terry 
or Jeanette or Ray or Wayne, and they seem to impart to me hope for another day. Somehow I felt something that was more significant than what I had felt through the darkness and through the discouragement of the last few weeks. And so the Lord working with them, raised up to sit in heavenly places. By this my Father is glorified. I love this, John chapter 15, verse 8. He said, by this my Father is glorified. You want to know how to glorify God? It isn't the person who gives the most through the day. It isn't the person who sacrifices. It isn't any of that. It was the widow that gave all that she had. And Jesus said, that person gave more than all the rest. It's the person who lends themselves to being trained up in the Spirit, to being trained up in prayer and in fasting, to be trained up in places of spiritual warfare, of intercession, to be trained up in the ways of God. It's that person where God says, my Father is glorified through what you're doing. The fruit that you're producing. My Father is glorified that you might bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Sometimes we can't see the fruit that we're producing. And we go through times and seasons. This is way longer than I thought it was going to be. I wanted this to be ten minutes. But sometimes we can't see the fruit we're producing and we get in these downturn things of saying, I'm doing nothing. There's nothing that I'm accomplishing for myself, for my family, for God, for my church, for this, for that. And there's the adversary trying to lie to you, to convince you, to give up, to go someplace else, to abandon the work, to do this. to do. And it just seems like all of a sudden there's an onslaught of a battle in the mind and you can't sleep and you can't eat and your bones ache and your mind is assaulted. And then Jesus comes along and says, Father, they need to see more of the impact they're making. God, Father, Daddy, that scale that's on their eyes where they can't see, issue the command to be removed. And then they begin to see the impact they are making and they see God is glorified. You see, if God is glorified by what you're doing, do you think he wants to increase in that? He absolutely does. He wants you to go far beyond your wildest imaginations of your influence in the place where he set you, in the influence of the earth in the places where you've given to be trained up the vision of Kathy and Lonnie in the day that we're in, praying, watching over us, coming to talk us. And yeah, give us a spanking once in a while because we need it. Because they love, they love God and they love the children of God. And they know that the scripture says, without correction, without guidance, without training, without hope, without a vision, it's going to take a long time. And so God comes along and says, I want this place to glorify my Father. The fruit that I want you to produce is gigantic, beyond your imagination. The influence that I want you to have, 
the places, the impartations, the gifts, the healings, the anointings, the, the word of knowledge, the, the gifts of uh, understanding, interpreting of tongues, interpreting of dreams, the things that I want you to have are far, far more. Than you, and all you need to do is keep trying. Keep trying. God says, the work that I've started, I will surely complete. And when you give up and you walk away, that kind of attitude derails God. It doesn't cause him to give up, because he won't give up. But it causes the path that you are on for him to bring about his word a different way, because you swung too far to the right on that tractor, and you're down in the ditch, and it's bumpy, and it's, you've got to put it in four-wheel drive because there's so much mud there. If you don't, you're going to get stuck. Right, and that's where the nasty stuff is, and the thorn bushes, and the, the things, the briar tree. Well, okay, bring me around the other way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm on the road now, but I'm going across the road now. There's got to be another correction, right? There's got to be another impartation. There's got to be another release of love. And God is so good at that. God knows how to do that. And so eventually through the correction and through the experiences. Now all of a sudden, we're individuals that can drive this heavy equipment in 12th gear with the engine at 3,000 RPMs and you're going as fast as you can possibly go because you've been trained. And now there's a piece of equipment that you've been given is producing what it needs to produce so that others may live, Right? Now, in this case, I'm talking about the cows and the horses. But really, in the spiritual places, I'm talking about John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave that who would ever believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. All right, I'm done. Promise this time. so uh, Barbara wanted to bring a um, testimony up, so come on up. Ben, I'm going to switch to the microphone just because... The... Sure, sure, that would be good. There you go. I'll stand here with you. And... Um, so I do have just two short testimonies I want to give. Um, God has been so good, and I know that everybody said, you know, look for all the signs in the season because this is a season of miracles. Um, one that I wanted to tell you about is Jeffrey um, on Christmas. Uh, the care providers that he has, the mom is just, she's an amazing woman. She's had my grandchildren over to cook with her. Um, she's brought love into that home with Jeffrey, with the grandchildren. She's included everybody in my family and her family. Um, she gave them all Christmas gifts, every single one of them, and she made some of those too. I'm just overwhelmed at how good God is because that was the only place that was open for Jeffrey to go, and God knew just where he was supposed to go. He knew who was going to love him. He knew who was going to care for him and who had a heart for God, and she does have a heart for God. She really does. She wants to make sure that Jeffrey always makes sure that I'm his mom. She reminds him daily that, you know, I'm, I'm someone who loves you and takes care of you, but you have a mother and you have a sister. And she's careful 
with his feelings. I, I mean, I, I can't even express how much gratitude I have. Um, that's number one. Number two, where I live, I've seen God move. Uh, where I live, there's so much, just on my floor, I live on the second floor, and um, there's so much, there's just so much going on on that second floor. There's one person who's a catalyst who starts things with everybody on the floor and calls management every day on everybody. So I decided, and I said, God, what can I do? How can I be a light? How can I make a change? So I'm starting to invite them to my apartment. And I said, you know, I want us to have something around the holidays so that, you know, we, I can cook. You guys can bring what you want. to. Let's get to know each other. Let's kind of talk about what's going on. And you know what? Um, we all live on the same floor. We all can get together and just talk about our lives. Let's share with one another. So that's going to go on. And I'm, I'm really happy about that because I know God had a purpose and a plan for me to be right where I am. And <laughs> it's just like there's one that's really hurting, and she's the one who calls on everybody. And I can, and I can feel her pain. And that's probably the first time I really felt God's love say, you know, you need to reach out to her. And she's a hard person. You get on the elevator with her and you feel stripped from the floor. I invited her to church this morning. I did. I said, you know, Joan, any time you'd like to come to church with me, I'd love you to, for you to come. So God is showing me how to love the unlovely, you know, because nobody likes her on the floor. And I understand why. If somebody calls on you every day. <laughs> so, and thankfully I'm quiet and I'm alone. And so she has nothing to say about me. <laughs> and I'm trying to love her through her pain. Because I know she has it. I know that she's got woundings and I know she's got pain. Um, but I just wanted to let you know, those are my two testimonies. That I'm just so grateful that God is so awesome. And he sees what we don't see. And, you know, he sees into our futures, and he sees what's going to impact somebody else's life. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. Um, I wrote a poem because uh, this Christmas was completely different for me. Um, you know, you have a picture of what your Christmas should look like or what your holiday should look like. It was completely different for me in so many hurtful ways and so many. But, you know, God is love. And I know that he, he, has, he knew that that was going to happen. All the things that happened, he knew that was going to happen before they did. And so I wrote this. It's called Reflections of 2019. 2019, an ever-changing year of new, uh, taking us places of, of um, sorry, I'm having a hard time reading my own writing, uh, taking us places of, hurt and despair, only to realize the depth of God's love and care, always designing our life tapestry to continue our story. Let's remember to give God the glory. He has perfected and walked through the seasons, also leading us to our destiny, to give us his perfect plan and divine reasons, Learning, leaning not to our own understanding, but trusting his will, his promises and dreams that he will fulfill. Hold fast to your faith and do not faint. Give the master the brush your life to paint. <laughs> so I just wanted to share that with you because it's been on my heart 
uh, and after the, the kind of um, holidays and everything, I know everybody's been hurting in so many ways, and it's just kind of been impacting my heart to write something to share with you. So I hope that it touched you. Um, I also wrote something this morning. It's just a short. It's called The Declaration for 2020. Um, I declare peace in any storm, reflecting on his faithfulness, miracles that he's performed. <laughs> I declare speaking in love wherever we go, defeating the enemy who runs to and fro. I declare hearing and seeing his promise every day, um, changing the atmosphere in his way. I declare sharing with the lost. Jesus paid the cost. See the lost and hurting when you see him hanging on a tree. But for God's grace, the lost will be your midst. Thank you.